what's going on? It's Quinn, and this is my show. Quinn David Furness presents the Bean Town Podcast for Sunday, November 15th. Wow. November 15th, 2020. What's going on? How are you? And what is happening? My name's Quinn, and this is my show. And this is episode 149, I believe. Plus, what, like eight Beantown Unplugged specials, something along those lines, of our show that we started all the way back in January of 2018 from A17 St. Paul Street. We're coming to you live up here in Rogers Park, and I am thrilled that you are joining us today for a couple different things. Uh, primarily, and probably the reason you're all here, it's part three of our New England road trip we are looking forward to telling you more about that we're going to be picking it up from utica and probably going through uh around new hampshire ish and next week will be our uh our last installment part four the final chapter and i was you know i was thinking hey maybe you know what you know what how these big budget franchises make all their money they split that final movie into two parts you've seen it played out over and over again hunger games twilight other franchises um so i thought hey maybe we you know spread out part four into two different sections but you know we're not going to do that because we have our thanksgiving special believe it or not coming up in two weeks here and there have been rumblings and grumblings of doing it live from the Ramos Thanksgiving we'll see I'm not making any promises sometimes not not to say there are often empty promises made but sometimes you know you get hyped up and then as the date gets closer you realize it's not going to happen so I don't want to create any false expectations, but thank you for uh, the tunes there, Tune Master Quinn. That was recorded uh, about a year ago, probably, when we decided we wanted intro music for the first time. And every once in a while, I think, in fact, I was just sitting at the piano seconds before starting to record. I was thinking, maybe we'll play live intro music today, Um, but I got lazy. And sometimes it's just a hassle to bring the MacBook over to the piano bench and it's also just you know i am very aware of the lack of a good recording setup the biggest problem is i don't have a mic stand of any sort so there isn't a great way for me to physically record the piano audio with the samson q2u series we're still figuring it out i mean i could buy a mic stand and solve all the problems but i just have not gotten around to it. Uh, So we're going to be checking in from part three of the road trip. There's a lot to get to. This part, I think, is going to be uh, very exciting. In fact, I was looking back through my notes before I I started today, and I even had to add in some some extra things that I had forgotten about. So, uh, again, we've been trying to keep these these road trip installment episodes short-ish, 
um, just to be efficient and all that. We'll see. I know uh, two weeks ago, or part one was, was quick. Last week was a little bit longer because we had some other things to discuss as well. And this week we have some other things to discuss as well. So that part three of the New England road trip is coming up in the second half of today's program. I have been cutting those ad reads short, although we are going, I didn't write anything because uh, I just now remembered it. But we have a little collab sponsorship partnership that uh, I, I need to, you know, mention again. Probably mentioned it last week. I, excuse me, a lot of belches here. All of a sudden, four minutes into the program, doesn't make much sense. Whatevs. Um, I think I, you know, Cafe Du Chateau talked about it last week, but but we will mention it again because I'm in the running for some serious prizes here. Um, but. So we uh, got that to look forward to, and then uh, we have two things in the first half that we need to check in on, and before we do that, I will mention that listener discretion is advised when you're tuning into the Beantown Podcast. Number one, we'll occasionally use some language, although it's, it's I think, as far as these things go, not too bad. And then uh, number two, this podcast is objectively terrible, although you tell me. We've been on the air for 12, 24, 34 and a half months now. Still going strong, 34, I think, 34 and a half months. Still going strong uh, and still, you know, we we are, are far from the peak, the mountaintop, if you will, of our listenership here streaming live on Beantown Networks. But, you know, uh, it, it is what it is. And I, I do believe, I, I legitimately believe that someday we will, we will be back to our, our glory days, the great heights that we achieved back in the summer of 2019. We had a couple episodes that were over 1,000 downloads, which was awesome. Uh, listener engagement was great. Uh, you know, every year we, we say, you know, well, here's something different. We're going to try shake things up. And uh, I, I do have some ideas for year four, 2021. There's nothing too um, extreme about it, um, but, you know, a couple things in the hopper. And you know me. You know what you're going to get when you listen to the Beantown Podcast. So, no, I'm still the same old Quinn. My hair might change quite often, um, and my weight might fluctuate significantly. But I think from a listener experience you're going to be getting pretty much the same thing. We just we just might be covering some different topics. So uh, we'll, we'll be covering all that and more as we get into December in the holiday season and into January where we will commence year four. I want to give a quick shout-out before anything else. I just thought of this. A quick shout-out to friend of the podcast. In fact, I believe I'll have to go back and check the records I believe he was a featured guest on our most downloaded ever episode of the Beantown Podcast, something like fourteen or 1,500 plays. Uh, John Paul Pendowski, who I don't get to see as often as I wish I did because he has moved out to the Burbs, Arlington Heights to be uh, specific. And uh, John Paul came over for supper uh, last Monday, feels like a long time ago, it was six days ago. We are recording Sunday at about 7 p.m. Central here. Uh, it's been dark for about 
10 hours already. Uh, John Paul came over on Monday night, and I made us jambalaya and got a roll from Devon Market Bakery. Maybe the single greatest part about where I live uh, up here in southeastern Rogers Park is immediate access to the Devon Market. And no, we don't have an official sponsorship or collaboration. And I didn't even really get into or discover the bakery section until like, I don't know, maybe like May of this year. It was a situation where I, you know, last, when I, when I, I mean, I, I've lived here for a year and a half now. And the first couple of months I lived here, I was traveling a lot and then got into the winter and just never really thought about it. I was still, you know, making way too many Dunkin' Runs to, to eat my, my carbs from there, which is a mistake. Uh, and then in 2020, started losing a ton of weight. So from, you know, January through, like, May at least, I was very hardcore with my diet. And I wasn't really doing anything. I wasn't having very much in the way of carbohydrates. But then a light came on inside of my head. And I said, you know, I have this Devon market baked goods section all homemade great stuff for low low prices you got to take advantage of it i think one of these days i've actually had this idea um i don't know if like december will get around to it or if it will be you know a, a big special in january to kick off year four uh, but i have this dream which doesn't need to be a dream because it's very attainable i have this idea of doing a a, a devon market bakery uh not necessarily a a taste test we're not really testing anything just a run through of all the hits because i mean there are so many goodies in there and there are so many goodies goodies i haven't even tried yet um so there's just a lot to run through i think we'll get you know we can get the video feed set up that will be fun there was an idea um from hashtag dad of the podcast steve furnace i think we mentioned this on air but it's been like a month at least uh, since i i mentioned that he had this idea of a i don't know if it, exactly what his uh, what his vision is but like a hostess or little debbie little debbie talking too fast here taste test um and i think that could be our christmas special maybe we'll get the whole fam on the live stream i think that could be very exciting uh let us know what you think about these ideas there's always something new cooking here streaming live on beantown networks you can email us quinn uh what what what's the email uh i got like eight burners so the one that I'm officially here to uh, push is Beantown Podcast at Yahoo.com. Again, that's Beantown, B-E-A-N-Podcast. Anyways, so that wasn't even the first thing I want to mention, and I didn't even finish my thought. John Paul came over for supper on Monday, and we had jambalaya and split a roll because these things are gigantic, and we caught up, and... Uh, I learned that John Paul plays Game Pigeon, which is clutch because I'm always looking for new friends and new challenges in Game Pigeon. So uh, we, we, we played through quite a, quite a bit, almost the full catalog, even paintball, believe it or not, this past week. I think I lost in three turns, which is like statistically, I, someone's going to have to do the odds on that. What, what are the odds of losing in three turns in a luck-based game with three options per turn 
is that one third times one third times one third is am I can we get a someone here to confirm or adjust the the statistics on that one third times one third would be one ninth times one third would be one twenty seventh so what is that like a three three and a half percent chance something like that uh, I I took statistics when I was what seventeen. The summer after I turned 17, I took statistics from Rock Valley College, and my professor was an adjunct, as a lot of community college professors are. She was Russian, and I i mean, she couldn't have been older than, like, 25. I wouldn't have been surprised. I don't really know anything about her. I don't remember her name, anything like that. I suppose I could—I don't know if I have a copy of my Rock Valley College— transcript anywhere i could probably find her name if i really dug i don't care though um because she had she was russian and had a very thick russian accent and was the type of situation and i think i had a lot of teachers like this and i think a lot of people have a lot of teachers like this where i am confident that she knew her stuff and was great but just wasn't didn't really have the teaching experience to guide, you know, 20 high school and, you know, 18, 19-year-olds on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7.30 a.m. or whenever I took that class. And so I ended up pretty much just teaching statistics to myself. And I was going to say I got a B. I don't think I did, though. I think I got an A. Um, I think the only class I got a B in in college, which was a B plus, was Gen Chem. Anyways, it doesn't matter. I don't know how we got here. Oh, the statistics of losing paintball. Anyways, yeah, I don't I don't like paintball. I don't want to play paintball. But we did. Because I don't say no. That's the thing. Okay, last thing before I jump into the two things I want to talk about here. Just in the first half of the program. Yeah, we are not making it under 30 minutes today. I am so sorry. Um, I don't say no to any game pigeon challenges. And if you're out there listening, you know who you are. So I would like it in return if when I challenge you in game pigeon, and I'm not going to call anyone out by name because if you're listening and all of a sudden you feel the heat and you start to get sweaty and you think, boy, I should have treated Quinn better, then you know who you are, whom you are. You know whom you are. Um, I'm not just talking basketball. I'm. There are word games that people won't play against me. Half of my immediate family, more than half, won't play basketball against me. Um, you know, it's just, it's just rude. Mm. Mm. Uh, it is November changing topics here because this is a, a, uh, it's, it's a Sunday. It's a calm, peaceful, relaxing day. Certainly not outside. I gust up to like 35 miles per hour in Chicago. It's ridiculous. Um, but it is November, which means it is officially tonsillitis watch i was gonna say tonsil watch but who wants to watch tonsils uh tonsillitis watch here um in 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 chicago and fans friends and followers of the show 
know that we have contracted tonsillitis at the end of November, the last two years straight, and we are really hoping to not get it this time around. Knock on wood, three times for the third week of tonsillitis watch. Uh, I haven't gotten sick yet this year, knock on wood, and we are still healthy. We had a full week of health. There's still five hours left in the week. You know, I had a three-day weekend this weekend, but because I took Friday off and had nothing to do, um, and I was still just like on the couch in front of my work computer, dicking around, playing Tomb Blast, um, not doing anything, which is basically a normal Friday for me when I am working, because Fridays are generally pretty slow. I, I mean, I, I was thinking about this. I was in the shower an hour or two ago and thinking, like, this was a three-day weekend. I completely forgot about that. But honestly, I think it's going to kind of be that way the rest of the year. I mean, I work five days this next week, and then I don't work another Friday in 2020. Weekend, week after that is, is Thanksgiving, and then December 4th, hashtag brother of the podcast, Jack Furnace's 28th birthday. I'm taking off. Just cause. No, it's not because I'm planning a surprise trip to the Big Apple. Not in this economy. Uh, December 11th, I'm off. And December 18th is already part of my Christmas vacation, which does include, you know, five vacation days that I'm taking. But uh, if anyone has any ideas for fun things you can do by yourself on a Friday with a day off when it is cold and miserable outside... Just LMK, you know, LMK, uh, or uh, a, 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 a K, KMP, keep me posted. I never used that one before. Um, so that's that's the first thing I want to talk about, tonsillitis watch. Uh, number two, before we get into a brief ad break here and then gear up for part three of the New England road trip, uh, Wednesday night, was it? Wednesday, Thursday, I think Wednesday, was the series premiere season premiere i don't really know how this is labeled is it all one show and each season is a different cast or are they separately distinct unique entities i don't know um it doesn't really matter uh the real housewives of salt lake city debuted premiered however you want to call it and obviously, that's a big deal because we are now going to be spending just a few brief moments every week here on the Beantown Podcast until I forget about it, giving you the, the mm, that was a tough one, the weekly rundown of Real Housewives or Desperate Housewives of Salt Lake City. So let's jump in here. We had our season premiere Wednesday night, Salt Lake City, a whole new scene. You know, usually it's somewhere hot, sexy, and warm, like Orange County, Atlanta, other places. But this time, we're going into the mountains. High elevation, low salt flats, and a lot of Botox. So let's run through the ladies. And, uh, you know, we're not going to do a whole episode recap. At least not for this one, because we got a lot of ladies to get through. So there are six 
Desperate Housewives here. Terry Hatcher not available for this season. So let's start with Lisa Barlow. And just so you know, um, there's like two brunettes, two blondes, and two... They're not both black. One is black. One just kind of looks black uh, because she's like Tongan and Vietnamese or something and has had a lot of work done. It's just, it's tough to differentiate. Lisa Barlow uh, has her own, like, like four different tequila brands or something. And she's on the show introducing herself and is like, you have probably heard of my tequila brands. And she was running through all of them. And I was like, Mm, no, I haven't. Um, her husband is John, and I think he's the most intriguing part of this relationship, not because we know anything about him, but because we know a little something about him. He, in the first episode, takes off for Chicago because he says he has a big deal to land, and I am very confident, like 93%, that's at A, A-, minus, depending on your grading system, that... He has a secret family. So rest in peace, Lisa. Then you have Meredith Marks. Imagine if Bruce Jenner was a female. This is what Meredith Marks would look like. Apparently, she's a jewelry designer, although I don't really remember um, anything about her jewelry. The best part about Meredith is her son, who dropped out of college just to be on the show, Brooks. He's 21 and extremely flamboyant, but he's got personality. He was made for this type of show. And I don't really know anything else about Meredith, except she is really scary to look at. So usually when she's on the screen, I just kind of do something else until it's someone else's turn. That's Meredith. Next, meet Heather. She's like if Busy Phillips aged 50 years, then had a, a an inordinate amount of medical procedures to try to reverse the 50-year aging process. That's Heather in a nutshell. On the show, she's blonde. I don't know if she's really blonde. It's tough to know. Um, I don't really know a lot else about Heather because I don't remember. I She's just kind of there. Now, next, meet... Whitney, Whitney Rose, which I, that's like, I think that's a porn star name. I would say I'm going to do research, but this is a wholesome show and we don't do that sort of thing. Whitney is apparently descendant of like some big important Mormon person who is maybe allegedly uh, the bodyguard for Brigham Young and or Joseph Smith. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what they said. This was already like four days ago. Um, Whitney in the episode is getting ready for a big marriage, but there's a shocking reveal that's not shocking because anyone who's ever seen Real Housewives before knows that they love to do this. She's revealing or or renewing, excuse me, her wedding vows to her her um her hus- husband now husband Justin not her original husband her husband Justin who's like 20 years older than her i think he was her boss and then they had some sort of sultry sexy affair and she left the church left her husband and now they're married and renewing their like 10 year anniversary renewing their wedding vows something like that so this guy Justin is like 85 and her dad, Whitney Rose, the porn star's dad, 
is like like if Keith Urban had a bad hair day, which should tell you all you need to know, but he's got like this weird black hair that doesn't make any sense. I just want him to not be on the screen anymore because he is almost as scary to look at as that other blonde lady. What's her name? Heather? I don't know. That was so long ago that we talked about her. Um, I will say Whitney Rose is probably like the most normal looking one. Um, not that she's necessarily the most normal one, although I think she is, she's, she's kind of normal. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think she's like probably my favorite only because she's not an awful person. Next meet Jen Shaw. And this is the one I was telling you about who like isn't black, but if you just took a look at her and someone told you she's black, you'd be like, yeah, she's black. Anyways, kind of a Felicia Allen Ayers Rashad. What's her name from the Cosby show? She's married to that Vikings running back. Um, she, okay, it says she's Tongan and Hawaiian. Okay, but I, she wears so much stuff and has had so much work done, it's hard to know. Um, she has some sort of like chalet is what they call it, which I think is just what they call houses out in Utah. Regardless, though, she hosts a lot of parties, and I think there's this big party at the end. is someone's birthday party. Maybe Meredith? I don't know. I get these two, um, or was it Lisa's party? I don't know. But it, it, there's a lot to, to keep track of here. Jen Shaw is fine. I don't really know. Then meet Mary Cosby, who is not Felicia Allen Ayers. Rashad Allen Ahmad from the Cosby show. Another Cosby. This is Mary Cosby. And we don't meet her until there's like only 20 minutes left in the episode. But turns out Mary Cosby in order. And we didn't really get an explanation on why it had to be this way. It just is. So I'm asking all the beanheads out there to accept it. And if you're ready for the shocking twist, here we go. In order to be in charge of the the Pentecostal church in town or something like that. She had to marry her grandpa. I'm not kidding. She's married to her grandfather. So if she had a kid, then that kid would be not only her daughter, but also her stepmom. Did I do that right? I mean, just shocking. So if she has a kid, that let's just, for argument's sake, it doesn't matter. It's a daughter. That girl, her dad is also her great-grandfather. Her mom is also her stepdaughter. And this is like, we we used to know the Kranikases, K-R-I-N-I-C-K-A-S, growing up, and there was something weird like that with like a double marriage or a triple marriage, which I know is more common in, in, in Utah, but not in Rockford, Illinois, where there was like someone's someone's sister was like 40 years older than them. I don't know. I don't have the math on this nor do i have a diagram but um it's just 
really strange. And I'm reading this. I didn't even remember this. Apparently, Mary Cosby, who's who I think is my least favorite. She's awful. Um, they ha- she has a teenage son with her grandfather. So this is true. I mean, we didn't. They didn't dig into the logistics of this on the show, but that means her teenage son is her daughter or her son, and also her stepfather. Um, I think is that how that stuff works. Just strange. Anyways, Mary's a terrible person because apparently she got really upset at who Jen Shaw. I don't remember because at some sometime in the past, Jen Shaw like walked into the room, and Mary Cosby was upset because she smelled like the hospital when Jen Shaw had just come because her aunt was getting a double amputation, and Mary Cosby now has this beef with Jen Shaw because Jen Shaw came from the hospital and didn't shower before they met for, you know, drinks or whatever it is. I don't know. I didn't, we didn't get the full story. Anyways, basically there isn't a plot to the pilot episode. It's just, there's this party and they all get kind of dressed up and nothing really happens and that's it. So there you have episode one of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I hope you enjoyed my recap. And I think most of that was accurate, but we'd have to go back and watch. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Home Pride Oregon. Uh, They will inspect your house and they are going to catch all of the stuff that you don't want the bank to catch or else it's going to be big, big charges against you. Your credit score will probably dip below 200 and I could see God smiting you and you're not investing in the local economy so for all these reasons and more get your home inspected with home pride oregon go to homeprideoregon.com and get in touch with steve because he will hook you up i also want to give a shout out to the samson q2u series they have been with us since the beginning folks that is 149 episodes and counting and hopefully Many, many more to come. I also want to uh, give a shout out to Cuts by Q. I got to tell you, I am loving this current look that Q gave me. That's me, by the way. If you want to get in touch with him, you can email cutsbyq at yahoo.com. Again, that's cuts, Q-U-T-Z, by Q at yahoo.com. They even have a fun, catchy jingle that they will sing for you if you ask nicely enough. And then finally, a reminder, friends, in the month of November, you can head to cafeduchateau.net and use code Q.QueenD at checkout for 20% off your order. It's a French press. It's delicious. We had it again this weekend, yesterday morning. And it's uh, it's it's tasty. It's scrumptious. It's delicious. Uh, you add some like fun fall festive uh, coffee creamer to that stuff. I'm talking the stuff that Dad buys, you know, in the month of November and December. Uh, it's going to be tasty. It's going to be delicious. You're going to want it. Go to cafeduchateau.net. Tell them Quinn sent you for twenty percent off your first order, and uh, you can have a fun French press like me. Um, okay. So that uh, those are the uh, ads I wanted to get through, and we are going to go plowing straight ahead here into part three of the New England road trip. I apologize. I, I, I know that I, 
I wanted these episodes to be shorter. And we did well the first time, not as well last time. And this time is just awful. Uh, but I think we can still do this around 45 minutes or so. So without further ado, we're picking up where we left off last week in Utica, New York, which I didn't really know anything about. And I'm going to be honest, the only reason I decided to stay there was because it was geographically convenient and because it's a town that I had heard of. Um, so I I think we left off last time. I had arrived in my Airbnb in Utica, and it's like this old house converted into a hostel. I did not have the right code. I was, I was given the wrong code um, to get into this place, which was just frustrating after a long day of driving and hiking. So wait around for a while and finally get the code, and we are in. This place was very Shining-esque. We're talking the whole deal. Totentons playing in the background. Not actually, but in my head it was. The wallpaper, just the, like the red everything. A, a gigantic explosion of red wallpaper and interesting like decor and objects around this place. It was a three three stories high. And for the most part, I was the only one there. Someone came in eventually later on in the night. I never saw that person um but it was just i mean it ended up the room was nice it was it was a large spacious room and bathroom is right across the hall that all worked out okay uh but boy this place was just in terms of like actually actual creepiness i mean the pediatrician's room was a lot to handle um but for the most part i wasn't like creeped out with that place, it was just like, wow, there's so much going on here. The man in the trailer in the back, the fact that my room has a sink, the uh, just insane level of marijuana smell, the lack of toilet paper. Like, it, I wasn't necessarily creeped out. It was just like, wow, there's a lot going on here. This place, outside of my room, which locked, thankfully, was legitimately scary. So I wake up the next morning early. This is Tuesday now. Let's see. Is that right? Yeah. Tuesday morning, I decide uh, I'm not going to do any wild hiking today. So I decided to go for a run in Utica. And there's not much to run around. It's a fairly small kind of rundown, old school, blue collar town back when railroads were a thing. So I go, I run out uh, by the zoo. Kind of a brisk morning, kind of some elevation gain. I actually... You know, you wouldn't expect this on a Tuesday morning, but I accidentally just trying to get from, you know, this place out to, um, you know, the kind of the zoo out where I was going to run on the edge of town. I ran through some corners, like the wire style, um, and didn't have any issues, but just like the amount of just out in the air, out in the open um, dealing that was going on was just not something that I'm accustomed to seeing. I mean, that I, that's just like a, a privilege, I guess, thing to say, you know, living on the, the far north side of the city. I, I don't really experience that here in Chicago. And I suppose I could if I lived in a different neighborhood on the other side of the city. But I was just shocked at, you know, 7.15 a.m. in the morning with the sun, you know, starting to rise because this was pre-daylight savings. Um, how 
much just like blatant dealing was going on. It just, I guess, is there no like cop presence in Utica or do the, the cops in the corners have an agreement like Amsterdam style? I don't know. But it was just not something I expected to see in Utica out of all places. You, know, you think of upstate New York, you got, you know, Finger Lakes, kind of Trump country, uh, but but very beautiful. You don't expect to see just a lot of wheeling and dealing on the corners, but that's what I experienced in Utica. Anyways, I get back, I, I finish up my run, and I'm ready to hit the road. So long driving day on Tuesday. First stop, three hours away, just taking the back roads. It was uh, quite a, a drive to get there. It kind of reminded me of Alaska, where you just got like this one main road, and you go through all these tiny little establishments and occasionally, you know, you, you get to a town that actually has more than, like, 200 people. And, you know, you got a Dunkin' and a gas station, and that's about it. But um, I drive through a bunch of these little towns on my way to Lake Placid, where the Olympics have been twice. Two weren't Olympics, 32 and 80. Does that sound right? I'm just going off memory here. Uh, I'm definitely 80. Because that's the miracle on ice, and I think 32 is the other year. Um, but I, you know, I Lake Placid is such an interesting place because it's this tiny little town. Um, I don't even know how you describe it. Resort town? Not really. It's just kind of like a quaint little up in the the foothills, mountains kind of place. Um, so the fact that it's hosted the Olympics twice, I would love like a history on this. How does this happen? You know, um, how do they identify this as? a place out of all places where they're going to host, you know, the international Olympic games. It's kind of interesting, but I go to Lake Placid. I park the car kind of on main street there and, uh, I have some time. Don't really have an agenda. So I walked around a little bit, um, with COVID and everything. I didn't want to, you know, go inside of, um, you know, in any of the, the centers, you know, the, the rank or the Olympic training center or anything like that. Um, so I just kind of walk around the outside and uh, take some pictures and stuff. And then it's like, you know, as you'd expect from a very small town. I mean, I don't know Lake Placid's population, but it's like uh, like 10,000 people, something like that. It's, it's very small. Um, I decide I'm going to walk around the lake, not Lake Placid itself, because the town of Lake Placid is actually south of lake placid proper which is a little bit bigger and it's not like there aren't there aren't walking paths around it or anything so there's another town right kind of uh in the middle of of or another lake kind of in the middle of town i don't recall its name mirror lake i don't think that's what it was there is something else anyways it's like three miles around so I, i i do that just kind of a nice brisk morning uh stretching out my legs after you know you go run in the morning and then you do a a three-hour drive, you're going to be a little stiff, a little tight. So I do that and uh, going to try to get some, you know, some lunch or some coffee or something. But a lot of the places, even on the main strip, were uh, closed up shop. That's something, you know, a lot of a lot of what I experienced driving this whole trip, but but certainly in upstate New York as I was driving around, um, you know, with a combination of the fact that a lot of these places are like summer resort ish towns when it's nice enough weather to actually have like outdoor swimming and stuff. Um, you know, I'm kind of in the in between of the summer resort 
experience time and the like ski chalet time because there's you know high high up in the mountains which we'll talk about in a second here there's snow but certainly not on your average run-of-the-mill um you know ski place um so you know kind of in between those two things so you don't see a lot of people most businesses are are closed so it wasn't always a lot of action to uh to to take part in but i leave lake placid and still have uh some time uh because i got the whole day dedicated just to get to burlington vermont and so i end up doing a little hike um i was originally thinking of trying to get up the the big big mountain uh that kind of overlooks lake placid where they did the, the skiing at the olympics you can actually drive up um i missed i missed the the season for that though you you can't is going to be like a six hour hike. And I did not have the daylight for that. Um, so I, I go to a smaller hike called, uh, cobble lookout C O B B L E, which I'd have to go back and look. I don't re- I don't really recall this hike at all. Um, cause I, I did one like every day, but I think this was, you know, two miles out, something like that, maybe even less than that. Not Nothing strenuous, just kind of a nice overlook. Um, and, you know, got to see a, a nice view of the Adirondacks as I was, you know, just, just going up and had a nice, you know, lookout. It, the weather was nice. It was kind of a gray day, but not cold, not super cold, you know, probably like 45 and uh, not terribly windy. So it was a nice hike. I think I saw like two other people on the trail. You know, this is a Tuesday afternoon, so I had it all to myself uh, and no phone service. So just kind of peaceful, calm, relaxing. Uh, I come back down, <laughs> actually passed. There were a number of these places. Um, you kind of have to drive out into the middle of nowhere to get to the trailhead for, for Cobble uh, Lookout. But you pass Santa's Workshop. Oh, man, if you, if you, you Google Santa's Workshop, Catskills or Santa's Workshop, Lake Placid, you'll probably find it. Um, another place that was, you know, completely closed, but looked like, is it Santa's Workshop the North, or the North Pole or both? I don't remember exactly what the business was called, but looked like a hoot, a real hoot and a holler. Uh, I'm going to have to take the kids back there someday because it looked like there were a lot of fun, wintry things going on that we could part, uh, possibly participate in. I'm thinking like reindeer hunting and a Christmas cookie bake-off contest and potentially pin the tail on Mrs. Claus. I don't know. I don't know all what what games were there because I could only see it as I was driving past from the road. Uh, But I decided to work my way up to the Canadian border, and this was fun. I get up close. um, So essentially you can either you know, go uh, on the, you know, under kind of Lake Champlain, Lake Champlain, not necessarily under it, but there's a main bridge. I don't know the name of the town that kind of cuts, cuts through the middle of it, or you can go all the way to the top um, to the border. And there's another crossing up there. So I decided, you know, I got time. Let's go all the way to the top. If I could, if I could freely go into Canada, then I probably would have, you know, incorporated a, a Montreal night or day into this trip. Cause I've only heard good things about Montreal and I'm so close. You know, you get to the border, you're like, what, like less than an hour from Montreal. You're right there. Um, and so I would have loved to do that. Unfortunately, due to circumstances, we physically cannot 
enter. I, I would not be allowed to enter uh, Canada. So I go up to the border. I, I take a little look at the border crossing. And, uh, yeah, it seems like it's, uh, it's pretty well protected. So I decide not today. I will hopefully have another chance in my life to go up to Montreal. But as I'm driving up there, you know, you're, you're kind of in the sticks. So your radio station options are pretty much Rush Limbaugh and another Jesus channel. I know they're separate. There's your Jesus channel and your Rush Limbaugh channel. And then occasionally you get like a, a good, you know, rock and roll throwback channel. But for the most part, very limited options until I get up closer to Montreal. And oh man, did I stumble upon a gold mine? French radio, which was, it's kind of a mix of classic talk radio and classic just like playing music radio because even on a, you know, even on a Tuesday afternoon at like 4 p.m., you know, this wasn't like a morning show. You know, a lot of radio stations have your morning shows and you have one or two hosts. But this was like a morning show in the afternoon with very limited music and a lot of talking. And I think five hosts. I had a hard time telling, but they were very loud, vocal, and laughed a lot. This French radio, and I, you know, I don't really know any French, um, and, you know, my my cognates, is that, is that the word? C-O-G-N-A-T-E-S, where you have words that will sound similar to each other in different languages? If so, I'm giving myself bonus points, because I am not a linguist by any means. Um, but I, I, I couldn't pick up on any cognates, if that's right. If it's wrong, I apologize because I just invented a new uh, a new phrase or word. But uh, I, could, I had no idea what they were saying. But they were very happy people. Uh, I don't know if there was something in their, you know, French-Canadian breakfast that morning that made them that way or if they just had an extra extra dosage of maple syrup. But it, it was fascinating to listen to. Um, so I, you know, I got some, some good Montreal radio exposure and then, um, yeah, I, I, I worked my way back down to Burlington, home of, uh, Bernie Sanders. And I saw, <laughs> I forgot, I didn't even make note of this. I just remembered that this was like the one thing I saw in Burlington because I got there after it was dark and it was raining and it was just like, I'm not actually, I, I had wanted to spend a little bit of time walking around downtown because it looks really beautiful. It's on Lake Champlain. Um, and you got the University of Vermont right there. I decided not to because of the aforementioned icky weather. But um, I saw the world's tallest filing cabinet, which is just a large, just single high. There's no base or anything. Just starts at one, goes up. And it was maybe, I don't know, like... 30 feet high, something like that, 40, 45, maybe in the 40s, uh, just single high filing cabinets stacked on top of one another, kind of like a totem pole. Um, but that was, that was, that was, I, I, I was going to say that was fun. That was cool to see. I mean, that you drive past it. There's not even like a plaque or anything. And it's, it's not like in this dedicated space or park section. It's just in this like warehouse area. And there's just kind of an empty lot. And I wasn't sure when I first drove past it if that was it because it's just there and there's nothing else. But lo and behold, 
What a great phrase, lo and behold. There it was. So I saw that, uh, checked into my room in Burlington, and I woke up very early the next day. And this is one where I wish I had more time to to take you through the entire uh, experience, but because of time constrictions, and I I do want to get um, through to uh, New Hampshire here. Um, (laughs) I wake up, so it's Wednesday now. And I'm in the Green Mountains. Well, I'm on the edge of the Green Mountains here in Burlington. And I want to go for a big hike. I wanted this to be a big hike day because I've never been to the Green Mountains before. So I am researching my options while I'm in my Airbnb in Burlington. I'm like, what can I do? What's what's feasible here? You also have to keep in mind it's late October. Um, so it's getting pretty cold and could be like snowy, icy conditions on any like hardcore mountains, but I'm like, I want to, I want a challenge and I, I don't have any equipment. I have some stretchy gloves and my running shoes. That's about it. Um, but I, I find this, this cool looking hike that's just perfect for me. You know, it's like three and a half, three, three, four miles one way. Uh, big elevation gain, which I don't mind because I got thighs like an ox. Um, it's called Camel's Hump, and it is about 45 minutes from Burlington. It's the third tallest mountain in Vermont. I don't know exactly how tall it is, like 5,000 feet, something like that. Um, but it's you know it's like a 2,600 elevation gain over what like three and a half miles. So which is that's, that's pretty serious, and there were definitely times on this 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 hike where I was going straight up. But I wake up early in the morning, and immediately there's an issue because I like to not to get too descriptive here on the Bean Time Podcast, but I like to 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 go number one, and I like to go number two when I wake up. That's when I do it, one one a day. You know, I put me in the Dalkalax commercials because I am regular and consistent. Um, I did not have to go. So I'm like, well, maybe this will just be an off day. Taking the day off, letting the boys rest, whatever. Um, but I, I I wake up very early, maybe, oh, I don't know how early it was, maybe like 5.30, 6, something like that. And I get my Duncan, obviously, um, in Burlington. I drive out, and this this trailhead for Camel Sump is like way back. Like you get off the interstate to a a lesser road, and then from that lesser road you get onto someone's driveway, and then from someone's driveway you get onto some sort of gravel loose loose assembly of of, of gravel, and from there you take that back like three miles. So cell service is gone, which this this didn't become a big issue. But after I finished. I got turned around, you know, because I don't have a map and, and no, like, actual physical map. So I'm literally just, like, driving um, until I can figure out, like, until until I can either figure out a way back to civilization or I just randomly pick up a phone signal. Going there is not a problem because your phone kind of, like, stores your desired location and it will take you there even after you lose your your cell signal because it's kind of got like the route saved or something like that but coming back was an issue i didn't drive around for super long but maybe an extra like 10 or 15 minutes longer than 
what was necessary until I found a, a FedEx truck, actually, very castaway-esque, and just followed that until I was able to get cell service back. Then I figured out what, where I needed to go. But this hike, Camel Sub, I'm the first one there, and I get out, and already it's like, well, there is no way in HE double hockey sticks that I'm going to go very far at all without needing to relieve myself. So I, you know, I know it's going to happen. It's like, so how can we make the best of this? Um, well, with a couple of Dunkin' Donuts napkins and just a free wheeling easy attitude, uh, went number two in the woods. And I felt great after, and I got lucky because it was a pretty, pretty efficient BM, if you will. Uh, but I get started on my hike and it's, it's one of those where it's a, you know, kind of a, a, a little bit, not long, but, but a, a, a jaunt through the woods, fairly level, you know, some ele- elevation, but, but nothing crazy. And then eventually you kind of start your climb and you're, you're kind of walking up on like a, you're not on a stream, but you're next to a river. And because it's a very steep elevation gain and you're on this fairly heavily trafficked, trail um a a stream kind of develops um you know on on this trail so it's it's kind of slippery because i don't have you know my shoes aren't awful it's not like i'm hiking in converses or something but you know i'm hiking my my fairly old worn out running shoes um and so but it's it's still okay it's like okay this is hard but it's hard because it's you know good exercise etc eventually you reach a point where the watery brook or stream and the, the slippery rocks, it turns into ice and snow, at which point I'm like, oh, I, I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to go up. I'm going to come down. But it's not necessarily going to be as fun anymore. And it's going to go from like a, a, a cool thing that I can say I did this hike to like, okay, this is legitimately not scary, like, no, it's not at that level, and you're still in the woods, so it's not like you're on some sort of sheer cliff or something. It's just you realize at some point, unless I am extraordinarily cautious with every step going up and coming down, I'm probably going to end up on my butt at certain points. And coming down, I did, I, I, you know, you had to go off the path sometimes because, you know, occasionally you you just have, like, these not vertical but near vertical, you know, couple feet drops where it's like if it was not icy you could probably pull it off but with the ice there's just like i'm i'm gonna be down uh just trying to go down this on the path so you have to get creative with like grass grasping on grasping onto trees and branches and stuff uh and it get got a little hairy i don't think on that hike in vermont that i ever fully ended up on my butt Although there were lots of times where I was felt like I was on Dancing with the Stars with the amount of foot shuffling I had to do uh, to to stay upright, but eventually you get to um, you know uh, like 0.3 miles before the summit, you get to a big clearing, which is very notable because it's the first clearing you have, and at that point you reach the alpine zone, and so from there up it is just rock basically. And again, if it, if you were doing this in the middle of June, it would probably be a fairly, while still physically challenging, a fairly pleasant hike minus the wind. But at the end of October, and I can't imagine what it, you know it's like in January or something like that. But just 
the exposure, you're basically like following this very thin, steep trail up very icy, slippery rocks. And the only plants around you are like moss and kind of like weeds hanging out, growing out the side of these rocks. But I'm like, I am, you're literally like a quarter of a mile away. Um, although the distance is, or the, the elevation gain is still severe at that point. But I'm like, I, I am going to the top. I didn't poop in the woods and almost slip on my ass a million times to say, oh, well, I got close. Like, I'm going to the top. So I make my final ascent to the summit. And you get to the top, and it's it's called Camel's Hump. It's just a big slab of, of rock with, like, some ferns and mosses coming out the top of it. But I, man, was it windy up there. Holy cow. Uh, probably the wind, the windiest wind I've ever experienced. And I don't, I'm not a, I don't have a great internal barometer. I have a solid internal clock and metronome, but not a great internal, internal, uh, it's not even barometer. Barometer is air pressure, right? We want, we want wind speed. So whatever the barometer of wind speeds is, I don't have a great internal one of those, but boy, was it gusty and you're up there, excuse me, fully exposed. And it's, it's just a complete whiteout. Like, I don't know what the view would be like on a clear day. I could probably Google image it, but you couldn't see anything. It was just, boom, in your face, snow blasting, um, not not fun. One of those things where, you know, it, sometimes when it's you're high up and, you're like, you made it to the top, it's like, huh, wow, this is kind of scary, but at least I'm having a good time. I made it to the top, and I was scared shitless. I was not having a good time. So I just needed to take a picture, take a quick video, and then get my butt off the top of that mountain. Because at least at least when you're in, back in the woods, you're not exposed to the wind and the snow uh, like I was, which was very scary. You're standing on top of this giant rock covered in ice, and there's wind just blasting. And it's not like you're at risk of falling off any sort of edge. Um, this hike wasn't really like that for the most part. Uh, the trail was usually very like, you know, it, there weren't, there weren't a lot of like slippery slopes to deal with, but I was very ready to get off that mountain. So I did that and, uh, made it back down tough on the knees for sure, as you would expect, but no real scares. Um, you know, saw a lot of other people coming up as I was coming down. Cause by the time I was coming down, it was, it was only like nine thirty, ten o'clock, something like that. Um, but, but came back down, ended up running into this very nice guy. Kind of, kind of had like a Bradley Whitford look going on, very thick, uh, New England accent. And we ended up talking for like I mean, it felt like a long time, so it was probably like 10 minutes um, close close to the trailhead, and he gave me some tips for some hikes that I ended up not being able to to do, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that in, in our final installment, part four, next time. But get back to the car, and uh, aforementioned, took me a little while to get back to civilization, figure things out, uh, but I do that, and then I, I make the drive... Uh, ended up taking a little bit of a detour to hit our last Ivy League campus. The last one I had never been to is Dartmouth, which is in Hanover, New Hampshire. So I actually ran a couple errands. I got stamps and I got postcards and I ended up mailing those out um, to clo- close family members. 
and then uh, walked around Dartmouth just briefly, like a 20-minute jog around uh, Dartmouth just to see what it was like, kind of the more traditional look uh, of an Ivy League campus, or at least my, my expectation of an Ivy League campus, unlike Cornell, which we talked about in the last episode. And then I was ready to, uh, well, first I, I stopped. <laughs> this is just a very brief thing, but they have grocery stores in New, New Hampshire called Price Chopper, which I think is just a hoot. Um, I don't know how extensive their brand or their network is, but I just liked the name Price Chopper. Reminds me, and I, I promise I'm almost done here as we hit the hour mark. Um <laughs> Long, long time dedicated fans of the show will remember this uh, grocery store in Virginia that we talked about, you know, all the way back when I lived in Beantown, where you go and then they add, I think, 10% to the final price is your your total bill, which I've never, I've still never figured that one out. And I've read about these types of places and they they only exist in very small pockets of the East Coast. Um so it's legit, like it's a real thing, but I don't, like I've never heard of that anywhere else. Anyways, um, I make the drive out to uh, staying near Jackson, New Hampshire, kind of near Wildcat Ski Area. Uh, and on the drive there, I did not take the, uh, oh man, how did they pronounce it? The, the, the Kangamangus, K-A-N-C-A-M-A-N-G-U-S Highway, which is like a really beautiful scenic drive. Although I did drive partially on it the next morning which is where we will pick up next time um but i took a nice beautiful drive kind of through the heart of new hampshire and you go kind of underneath or not underneath but just below if you're on the map just below mount washington which is the highest mountain in the northeast and there's this beautiful i don't know if it's called the mount washington hotel or what it's called but kind of on the western slope of it um you can see it it's really beautiful i tried to get a picture out of my car i did not do it justice um, but if you go, if you, um, you know, Google, I'm doing it right now with you, Mount Washington Hotel, um, it is absolutely gorgeous and very Shining-esque. Mount Washington Resort, I think is what it's called, Hotel Resort. I think Resort is the official name. Take a little uh, take a little view of that. It's beautiful. Um, and you can kind of just see it off in the distance from from the the road as you're driving through. So I get to my place, and uh, it is something that I did not realize before I booked it on Airbnb. Right, you don't expect to book lodges or hotels; you expect it to be people's places. And it was not labeled as such, but this was the Riverview Lodge, which. In the days leading up to this particular stay, which is Wednesday night, I was researching it and realized it was a lodge, and then I dug deeper. Holy cow, the reviews on this place. I was this close. Now, it's non-refundable, and I was this close to changing my booking to something else, booking something new, which should tell you just how scared I was of this place because I am very frugal with my money. I ended up not doing it. I said, let's take a risk. Let's take a chance. Um, My biggest fear was the check-in process because I had been reading about this lady. And let me just pull up unionleader.com. This is a New Hampshire newspaper. Uh, 
from July 27th, 2019, innkeeper accused of assaulting couple fined $10,000. A Jackson innkeeper who has been charged under the New Hampshire Civil Rights Act is being fined ten grand for an incident involving a couple she thought to be Muslim. Um, attorney McDonald, et cetera, announced on Friday that an agreement had been reached with Priscilla Pradashevishki, who was charged in 2018, and I met Priscilla, and she was kind of off, uh, in 2018 with violating the New Hampshire Civil Rights Act stemming from an incident at the Covered Bridge Riverview Lodge where I stayed. Um, on April 20th, 2018, Jackson police allege Pradashevishki assaulted Mohammed Galami and Shaharazad Munaji, believing they were Muslims from the Middle East. Because Patrasevsky was accused of being racially motivated in her actions, this simple assault charge carried an enhanced penalty that could have sent her to state prison for two to five years, but that won't happen. Instead, Patrasevsky has been permanently enjoined from having further contact with the two victims and their families and from engaging in or threatening physical force or violence, damage to property, or trespass on property against any person motivated by race, color, religion, etc. Um, so she was fined ten thousand, uh, yada yada yada. So she didn't do any jail time. Um, says Pradeshevsky not only made physical contact with them, but also made remarks, including that as Muslims, you're not supposed to be here. She also told Galami and Munaji that Muslims kill children. I hate when that happens. Um, Anyways, you can read this for yourself. It says the inn is to be auctioned. However, um, in my experience, this Priscilla lady was still who checked me in. I Maybe we'll pick it up right here um, next time. But she was a little off. Um, and this place, I will say this. I was scared to death that it was going to be just an absolute nightmare, like hotel hell level nightmare. Um, when I was you know, reading the reviews of these places and all the problems from the cockroaches and the bed bugs to the un, you know, unknown stains and yada, 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 I got lucky, which is probably because I'm white, but I got lucky. Um, it, it worked out. Okay. Anyways, we're going to pick it up from there next time. I went so far over, I apologize, but I had a lot to cover here today. Um, the remainder of the trip was spent uh, largely in Maine, um, and we're going to be talking about that on part four, the finale of uh, the, the New England 2020 road trip. So thanks for, for listening to that. Thanks for putting up with our Desperate Housewives of Salt Lake City recap. And, you know, I need a refill on my water because I started off with only half a glass, which is a mistake. And now I'm in that mode where I really have to pee and I'm also really thirsty, but I don't have to poop in the woods, which is good because there are no woods immediately by me. And I have indoor plumbing, which is just a game changer. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, again, we're going to finish this up next week. And uh, we'll be we'll be back with another recap of the new uh, you know housewives episode, and all that fun stuff as we get towards Thanksgiving here. So uh, if you liked what you heard, let us know in the comments. Uh, you can connect with us uh, on Twitter. We are at BeantownCast. You can also email us BeantownPodcast@yahoo.com. Again, that's BeantownBeantownPodcast@yahoo.com. And we love the listener engagement. Thanks, everyone, who has uh, stuck with us. Next week will be episode 150, which is very exciting for us here on the Bean Town Podcast. Otherwise, that's all we got for you. We are going to queue up 
some pre-recorded outro music, and I am going to get some dinner going here. It's almost 8 o'clock already. Wowza. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Stay safe. Stay sane. And I'm going to check in on you next week. All right. Peace and love. Bye, everyone.